Hey guys, my name's Christian. I am the lead pastor here at City Light. If it's your first time here, you haven't been here in a while, so glad to have you back or have you here for your first time. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so we've been talking about the, this topic, the space between us, and the us is us and God, not us and each other. So isn't it hard sometimes to connect with a God whom you cannot see? Right? That's, that's a thing that all of us who are trying to believe in Jesus or believe in God struggle with at one point or another. How do we follow a God who we can't see? And so we've been going through, we have five, five things that we're trying to talk about this month that help connect us to God. All right, so J- Jonathan talked in week one about just applying what we hear here on Sunday mornings, what we hear as we read the Bible, what we hear Jesus teaching, just doing it. That there's something about just stepping into it and doing it, instead of keeping it theoretical, that connects us with God in a way that, it, that the other way doesn't. And last week I talked about feeding our faith. So in our private life, feeding our faith on our own and taking ownership over it instead of letting everyone else depending on other people to feed us all the time. So this week we're going to talk about something else. But I want to start with a question just to get us thinking. So the question is, how do you know what you are capable of? Just think about that for a second. How do you find out, if you wanted to discern what you're capable of, what are you able to do, what are your limits? All right, and so if you don't know the answer to that, the answer is that you spend time with Kevin. All right, so Kevin over here, um, he is a licensed limit tester. Um, it is his job, his side job. He doesn't even know, but um, I'm, I'm starting that business right now. I'm starting a lot of businesses on stage today. Um, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> I learned my limit. So here's the thing, a little bit of backstory. I used to be a, a soccer player, um, and, and I used, used to in a profoundly painful sort of way, okay? Um, I take a lot of pride in soccer. I've played it my whole life since, since I was little. Um, I've been pretty good. I was never better than pretty good, but my heart and my passion and my effort always allowed me to play with people who were actually better soccer players. Um, so here's this thing. We have this men's retreat, and we always play soccer there, and they always pick teams. And I don't think, I think one time I was let, I was allowed to play on Kevin's team. For whatever reason, they look at the rest of humanity and they're like, Christian is the one who can guard Kevin, which is totally not true because nobody can guard Kevin, okay? You have to understand, Kevin's light years ahead of the rest of us in every dimension, okay? So this, this, uh, men's retreat, I came into the season, you know, a little bit uh, out of shape. I got to be honest with you. I wasn't as prepared. Normally, I spend months training for the one soccer game I play every year. And I was just, I was out of shape. And I forgot my cleats. And halfway through, my sneaker sole broke off. So I was duct taping my shoes to keep them together. Not that I'm making excuses. Plus, Kevin's a cheater. Not that I'm blaming anyone. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I tried to cheat, and it didn't even work. I mean, when I pull out my old man, 41-year-old cheating tactics, and they still can't slow you down, you know you're in trouble. But I, I really, like, I, I'm not blaming Kevin, but I, I really struggled. I walked away feeling, this is not a joke, I actually walked away kind of frustrated. And, and it's because I think that I can win, no matter what, all the time, right? Like, even like golfing. We went golfing earlier in the day, and I was frustrated. I never golf. I don't know how to golf, but I was like, I should be as good as Tyler. He golfs every day, but like there's something broken inside of me, right? So, but Kevin showed me what I was and was not capable of. I hit the wall hard and I got back up and I just kept hitting that wall. And, and, and I kept insisting that we played longer 
But the thing that happened is I got more tired and he got less tired. I don't know. It was like, it was like if we started this close by the end, I mean, I can't even count how many times I just fell down and I wasn't even like moving. I just like fell. He would just look at me and I would fall in shame and embarrassment and recoil to the ground. Um, and it sounds funny, but there are guys who are like, yeah, we saw it. Right? Shane's like, yeah, I saw him fall down a whole lot. We, we learn our limits. We learn what we're capable of when we test ourselves. But here's what I want to talk about today. You're never going to know how much is inside of you until you use it. Until you try to give it away to other people. So we're not going to talk about sports anymore today. But you and I, what I want to talk about is what has God put inside of you? What gifts and what talents and what abilities and what passions and what dreams has God put inside of you? And you're never going to know how much he's put inside of you. Like, this is different than soccer. For me, it was, you know, I had to play against someone better than me, right, to find out what I was capable of. In this area, you have to try to give it away. You're never going to know how much passion God's put inside of you until you actually put that passion to practice and try to use it for the good of other people. You're never going to know what gifts God has given you, the extent to which he's given it to you. You might know like, hey, I'm pretty good at X, Y, or Z, but you're never going to know the extent to which he's put it inside of you until you try to use it for other people, until you try to give it away. And guess what? When we try to give it away, God often gives us more. He's often waiting for us to be generous with what he's already given us so he knows he can trust us with more so he knows we'll give that away too. So that's all I'm going to talk about today. And what I want to do is I want to read a long passage in uh, the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is one of the four, what we call the gospels. They're four eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, written by followers of Jesus, written by contemporaries, And during the same generation, these were written before the people in the stories passed away. These are eyewitness accounts of what really happened. I'm going to read this. It's in Matthew 9. If you have your Bibles and you want to open up, you can follow through the end of Matthew 9, the beginning of Matthew 10, or you can just look at the screens. So I'm just going to, this is uh, a little bit of an intro. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So What we have here is a a transition. In two chapters before, Jesus is on the mountain, and he's giving what's famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's a long discourse that's probably a compilation of many, many different times that he gave the same material. This was like his thing. This was like his stuff, all right? So he gives all that. He comes down off the mountain, and then uh, Matthew records a bunch of miracles that he starts to do. And he's going around Galilee doing miracles. And then this is this transition sentence. Jesus has been teaching. Jesus has been doing. says Jesus has been doing all this stuff. And he looked out at the crowds and he had compassion on them. So there's hundreds and thousands of people following him because he's meeting their needs, both physically and spiritually. And there's also some confusion around exactly what he's going to do. Maybe he's going to overthrow Rome. Maybe he's this king that we've been waiting for. So he looks out at the people and his his heart is broken because it says that it looks like sheep without a shepherd. They are leaderless. They're hopeless. They're misguided. And he looks to his disciples who are his closest followers, okay? He says the harvest is plentiful. So he switches analogies here. He's not talking about sheep and shepherds anymore, but he uses a farming analogy. He says, look out, the fields are ripe. It's ready to harvest. It's harvest time, but the workers are few. 
Can you imagine that? There's a there's a, a, a couple Amish families that purchased a bunch of acres of land, and I drive by them almost every day uh, to the office that I work at at the church that we used to um, work at. And there's so many fields, and sometimes I see just like two of them out there, and I think there's no way they're going to do this, just the two of them. Now, they're amazing, so they get it done. But this is, that's the idea. Like The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he says, he tells his disciples, I want you to start praying this prayer. Pray that the, uh, the Lord of the harvest, which was Jesus, right, would send out workers into the harvest field. And I think, I want you to put yourself in this story. Okay, so I want you to, to think about, you're just, you've been on this mountain listening to Jesus' teaching. He's been changing your life. His teachings resonate like nothing's ever resonated. It's shocking you and, and rocking you to the core. And then you walk around with him and he's healing people. And he's freeing people. He's even raising people from the dead. Who is this guy? And then he pulls you aside for a little bit. Just put yourself in the story. Can you, can you just go there for a second? What if you were walking around Galilee 2,000 years ago with Jesus, and he pulls you, you get pulled into the inner circle, and he sits down, and he's like, guys. <clears throat> I imagine Jesus, the human side of Jesus, just overwhelmed by the need. Have you ever volunteered somewhere where the need has been so great, you feel like you're barely making a dent? I imagine Jesus feeling that. Guys, look at all these people. The harvest is plentiful, man. It's just the workers are few. Would you guys pray with me? Can you imagine me like, yes. Oh, I feel you, Jesus, right? I'm going I'm to pray. Yes, Jesus. Yes, let's send workers out. More workers, Jesus. And then Jesus calls his 12 disciples and he's like, hey, guys. Hey, guys, guess what? We just answered the prayer. Look at this. He called his 12 disciples and he said, hey, <clears throat> remember that thing I said about the harvest and the workers? Hey, I was setting you up. You're the workers. I'm, I'm done. And it's this amazing transfer. <clears throat> Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority. People have been talking about Jesus like, man, look at this guy. He preaches with such authority. He's so different than all the other teachers. So Jesus, I don't know what he does here if he lays hands on, you know, lays his hand on them and prays for them, some sort of commissioning. I don't know exactly what happens, but somehow he gives them authority to do what he's been doing. He says, guys, it was never about me, which is interesting for Jesus to say, right? He's choosing, put just, this is like, if you don't hear anything else, this isn't even my main point, but he's choosing to give the mission to us. He's choosing to say, I care so deeply for every soul, but the way I'm going to do it is through you. And I'm empowering you. I'm giving you gifts to give to other people. I'm giving you abilities to give to other people. I'm giving you supernatural gifts and natural gifts and ideas and passions. So you might say, but Christian, and then fill in the blank, right? I... I don't know enough of the Bible. I, I'm new to this whole thing. I don't know how to pray. I'm afraid to pray in front of people. Um, you know, whatever. Like, uh, I've only been going to church for a few weeks, or I've been going to church my whole life, and, you know, no one ever asked me to do anything, or I'm more of an in-the-background kind of person or a behind-the-scenes kind of person, or I want you to read this with me. I think it's so important that he put this in here. Matthew's like, hey, just in case you read this story and you think these people were awesome, let me tell you who was there. So he gives all the names of the 12 disciples. I want you to know, hey, that's the wrong way. Okay. 
Four of them were fishermen. One of them was a tax collector. If you're new to church and you don't, want that, don't know the historical significance of that, he was basically a Jew who would extort his fellow Jews to get money from them for the Romans, the occupying nation. In other words, he was very hated. One of them was a, a zealot. So the, this was a group of religious political fanatics who were pushing hard for a rebellion to start to overthrow the Roman government. I mean, these are some wild people he's called together to be his 12. And Judas Iscariot. Can you imagine? Like, all right, I got I to gotta, I gotta pull together the dream team, right? Like, this is it. Uh, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. I'm going to get 12 guys. We are going to rock the world. We're going to take the world by storm. I'm going to make sure one of them betrays me really badly. You know? I'm going to make sure one, like, sells me out so I die. Right? This is who he's working with. Are there any... There's no pastors in there, right? There's no preachers. There's no one who has any experience doing public speaking. No one who has any, like, really deep knowledge of the Old Testament scripture so they can explain it. Interestingly enough, just not to make too high a point of this, later on after Jesus has risen from the dead, he does call Paul, which I don't know that this is totally real, but at some point maybe he was like, you know what, I don't know about these 12. They need someone They need someone to help him out a little bit. So he goes and calls Paul, who has all those things. And, you know, but you are in this list. I am in this list. In other words, you're not disqualified. When Jesus empowers you, you're empowered. Like, you don't have anything to argue with. I'll I'll go back to that. You might have been to church before and felt unworthy or felt like you didn't measure up or felt like you didn't have what it took. That may have even been implicitly or explicitly communicated from the front to you. Until you get this straight, until you get this right in your life. But I don't see that. Now, that's not to say, listen, just live your lives however you want to. You know, like Jesus accepts us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. So he's constantly, the biblical word is sanctifying us. It just means he's making us to look more like him. So if you choose to follow Jesus, he'll accept you right where you are right now and he'll start using you. But he's not gonna leave you that way. You know, it's like a good father. Like I, it's not like when my kids were born, I was like, I love them just as they are, but I wasn't like, you can stay just as you are. You never have to learn to feed yourself or change yourself or wipe yourself. You're just fine. Was that too far? Sorry. I just like Jonathan's up here preaching, right? Am I right? Okay. Okay, let's move on. So, I was cheap shot, wasn't it? Sorry. So these 12 disciples, can you imagine? Remember, put yourself in their place. Jesus, he's doing all these amazing things that no one's ever seen before. And then he's like brokenhearted. Look at all the people. You guys are going to go do this now. Can you imagine that first like, Matthew looks over it. What was that guy's name? Thaddeus or something? There's, there's six of them that no one even remembers. James, son of Alphaeus. Right? He looks at James. Hello, James, son of Alphaeus. And they're like, what do we do now? First of all, he's probably bummed that he got paired, paired with James, son of Alphaeus, because no one ever heard of the guy. Right? So here's what can happen. See, you're never going to know how much God has put inside of you until you start to give it away. It's like buying a really nice car. Not that I've ever done that, but I've heard that it's really cool to drive it. Anybody here buy a sports car? You don't have to raise your hands because we're going to judge you. But if you had a sports car, 
You don't buy a sports car and park it in your driveway and you like look outside and, and the, you, you know, your, your kids look outside and you're just sitting there like, oh yeah. You know, maybe you turn the heated seats on and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I love my car. Have you ever driven it? No, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to wreck it. You know, I don't want to hurt it. I don't want to buy new tires for it. No, you buy the car so you can drive it. So many of us have this amazing empowerment from God latent, dormant inside of us, and we're just sitting in the driveway. You know, too many Christians are sitting in the driveway. It'd be weird if I went outside and there's a bunch of Christians sitting in my driveway. <laughs> it's like some weird sort of sit in. <laughs> All right, sorry. Sometimes I think things, say, I'm going to listen to the podcast, I'm going to be like, you, you idiot, why did you say that? Like, you don't have to say every thought that comes to your head when you're teaching. Okay, these 12, Jesus sent out. So they could have just said, no. They could have just like walked somewhere and be like, yeah, we got it, Jesus, yeah, and gone over and gotten lunch somewhere. They ne- but they never would have found out. When they come back, you can read about when they come back in Luke, uh, I think it's chapter four. When they come back, no, it's not Luke 4. I'm sorry. It's somewhere in Luke. But when they come back, they're like, Jesus, it worked. It worked. Things happened. People got healed. We can't believe it. He's like, yeah, yeah I know. Like, I, I empowered you. Like, he's not surprised. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any, enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So this, like, we don't have time to, to dissect all of this. This isn't saying he doesn't care for the non-Jewish people. It just says that it had to start there. Okay, just trust me. All right, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. That's what John the Baptist was saying before Jesus. That's what Jesus has been saying. And now his disciples are going to say it. And it's what we still say. We pray for the kingdom of God, right? Your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely. You have received, freely give. Now listen, you might be new to church or you might be skeptical or you might be in churches that told you that God isn't miraculous anymore and maybe that verse is hard for you and you don't understand how you can apply that to our lives. And so I just want to say there's a couple things I think we can take out of this. Number one, it's hard to read the Bible and come away thinking that Jesus wasn't miraculous. It's just a part of who he is and, and we kind of have to figure out what that means for us today. I personally believe as followers of Jesus, we're meant to live miraculously, miraculous lives as well. I believe that God's empowered us to see amazing things happen. Does that mean it always happens? No. But it doesn't mean it never happens either. But there's another message that's in here. This is the kind of kingdom. Proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. They were hoping for an emperor to overthrow Rome and come take over and cast them out and start a Jewish empire. But he's saying, listen, this is my kingdom. My kingdom is healing. My kingdom is restoration. My kingdom is reconciliation. It was a new message. It was a new day. He was proclaiming what it looked like for Jesus to come and establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And then I think the point I want to make is freely you have received, freely give. See, your faith will never be fully alive if you're sitting on the sidelines. We're talking about the space between us. You're never going to feel that connection you want if you're just sitting on the sidelines. And and I want to just say, this is true. Even if you aren't sure if you're a follower of Jesus, God, I believe, has put stuff in every single person on earth. He's a generous God. Like, just because we don't believe that he exists doesn't really bother him. I mean, he just exists, right? It's like like, our disbelief doesn't do anything to him. He's there, and he loves us regardless. 
Whether we're worshiping him or turning our back on him, he loves us. The Bible is super, super clear about that over and over and over again. Jesus tells story after story about God's love chasing us down relentlessly. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus yet and you're figuring it out or you're skeptical or you're thinking about it, this applies to you too. What you have inside of you, this is just true. See, the thing is, the stuff isn't necessarily true because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because it's true. That's why it's in there. This is true about you, whether you're following Jesus or not. You've been given gifts and passions and abilities, and you aren't ever going to know how much is in you till you start to give it away. We were never meant to hoard that stuff. We were never given gifts like the disciples weren't empowered just to pray for each other. It's not like the 12 of them got in a little small group and just like prayed for each other. Like, ooh, yeah, Jesus empowered us. Let's heal each other, right? The whole idea was go give it away. Let's go find some people who are hurting. Let's go find some people who are far from God. So I'm trying to be a little challenging without being a jerk, but I just hope that you, if you are a follower of Jesus, are hearing this challenge. If you're not giving away what God has given to you, if you're not freely giving what you freely received, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again for you, and only by the grace of God are you breathing and alive and following Jesus, then you have been empowered. And if you're hoarding it, you're being a selfish Christian. And selfish Christians are never going to make the world change the way Jesus wants us to. Can I get an amen? Yes, right? Yes, okay. Or, or, or no? Or like, uh, you know, no, you crossed the line. That was a jerk. Sorry. You know, not challenging. That was a jerk. You'll never know how much is inside you to put gifts. So let's ask a couple questions as we kind of wrap up here. So think about what has God freely given you? What are you good at? What do you love to do? You know, maybe you're a, a, an awesome administrator. That can be used here in this church. We desperately need awesome administrators. Maybe you are a soccer coach. And you could get out in the community and you could build relationships with people. Right? Maybe you have the gift of photography. Social media is now the front porch of the church. Social media and your website, people check that out before they ever come here. And that's why we take pictures every week. And I know sometimes maybe it's a little distracting with those photographers walking around, but it's for a reason. See, everything we do at City Light, we try to do because it lines up with our vision to seek love and care for people like Jesus does. If we're going to seek people who are far from God, we're going to need to meet them where they're at, which is out there, not in here. And part of that is as simple as taking pictures. And we have really good photographers on our team. What has God freely given you? But let's take it further. I was hanging out with a friend of mine this week, and he, he said a profound statement that stuck with me. You don't know what you don't know. Isn't that true? You don't know what you don't know. Here's what I want to say. You might think you know your gifts, but you don't necessarily know what gifts, your gifts look like when God empowers them. Maybe you haven't tried to give it away and so you don't know. What if you have an amazing gift for helping marriages reconcile and heal, but you've never, you've never become vulnerable and tried to help someone in need? What if you have the ability from God to pray for people who are sick and they get healed a lot of times? I know people like that. It doesn't happen to me. I've never really had that gift or that ability, but I know people for whom that's true. What if you just don't know that because you've never tried? You're sitting in the driveway and you've got this awesome Ferrari. And everybody else is like, man, I wish I had a Ferrari, but you got it. But you just won't drive it. You won't know what God has put inside of you until you try to give it away. 
Maybe you have this amazing ability to help people come out of addiction and find freedom. Do you know how much we need that in the, in the church? I mean, just in the world. You know, maybe you have an awesome ability to build lending libraries and you just don't know it. <laughs> I owe you like so many coffees for how much I talk about you. I'm so sorry. But I'm serious. I mean, I'm just going to use you as an example. He's never built a lending library before and, 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 and he put himself out there. I mean, literally he said, whatever I can do, which meant whatever I, even whatever I can't do. Like, we're just going to try it. Like, what's inside of you? Maybe you don't know. Guys, listen. You are, here. You are in this place at this time for a purpose because God is doing something in and through City Light. There, we are here for a reason. It's not on accident, and you're not on accident. Listen, you have stuff. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago. The greatness in you is the greatness in us. And without each of you using the greatness that God's put inside of you, us won't be what we're meant to be. Or, or we won't be, you know, you know what I mean. Okay, you are in this place for a purpose. There are ideas that are bubbling up inside of you. That, like, listen, here's the thing. Traditionally, churches are like, here's the pastor. Pastor comes up with stuff, delegates so other people do it. Or pastor just does everything. But that's not what we're looking for here. Like, I would love to be, uh, the leadership here to be an empowering leadership where you are getting dreams and gifts and ideas. There's so much more out in this room than there is up on this stage. Can I get an amen? I mean, I, uh, that's right. Okay. I mean, that's like the most obvious thing I've ever said. It's even more obvious than you don't know what you don't know. We have to put it to the test. You're never going to know your limits until you try. Maybe you've been holding on to an idea like, maybe now's the time. Why wait? Tomorrow is always tomorrow, guys. What if you just decided to do it? What if you just decided to start? What if you just decided to send that email? Talk to that person. Investigate that thing that you've been thinking about. What if you just decided to sign up for that team or volunteer for that thing? You never know until you give it away. All right, I'm going to hand out some cards right now. And on the back of the card, I put this prayer here. I want you to take this card with you, and I would just challenge you to pray this every day this week, and then you can throw it away. But go seven days and try to pray this prayer every week. And just ask God to start to open you up to what you can be used to do, both in City Light and in your community. And I'm going to embarrass a few people here real quick. So here's, here's a couple. Mark and Trisha Puken, they're not, they're, they're not here today, but listen, all the people I'm going to talk about were not, we, we had a launch team when we started this church. And all the people I'm going to talk about were not on that launch team. God has added you to what started here. And uh, Mark and Tricia, they have a passion to, um, to serve. And they came into the church. And I, I have yet to be to a serving event since they joined the church where they haven't been in it. And that's not even an exaggeration. But one of the things that's really cool is Mark, Mark has this uh, passion, this dream to help underprivileged schools and to, and to help them uh, to build um, playgrounds there. So it's not something he's talked a lot about, but I've just, you know, I just outed him here. But so yesterday he got to see that dream come to a reality. I, I uh, texted him and Nathan Tulowitzki, who's somewhere in here, uh, two weeks ago, and I said, guys, this McVeigh Elementary School project is just, it's, it's too much um, with the Halloween thing coming up. I just feel like I'm dropping the ball. Can you guys help me? Like, can we, can we like spread it out? And, and Mark wrote back and said, what if we just took it off your plate and you didn't have to think about it? 
I was like, that sounds amazing. And he's better than me at all of the things that were going to happen. He was, he's better at planning. He's better at buying things. He's better at landscaping. He used to own a landscaping business. He's, he is better looking. He's a better dresser. He is a better soccer player. That's true. I think I can play drums better than him. That's all I got. Um, although Grayson plays really good drums. I don't know if any of you are friends with them on Instagram. Okay, uh, next. All right, I did, this is the only couple I didn't ask for permission. Are they here? All right, good. Uh, Connie and Ryan. So listen, uh, the first time I met Ryan, he said to me, you know, what I love to do, because we're talking about church stuff, he's like, what I love to do is I love to do projects where we can like use construction skills to help people in need. And I was like, that's amazing. We have this thing called Good Neighbors. You should volunteer. And, and so Connie is also super passionate about it. And so she, they came out to one. And then after that, there was another one that we, we couldn't find a leader for. I was like, hey, guys, would you mind leading this? I think they've led two or three now. And it's just them using what God's put inside of them. Who knows where that's going to go? Who knows how many houses? Because they said we're, we're willing. All right, you can't see her too well. But this is Allie right here. All right, she just started coming to church a couple months ago. Now, Allie's volunteered at my soccer camps over the years and um, love Allie. She's super, super cool. But she is willing to use her gift of soccer to bless kids. She, think about this. She's a teenager who could do anything she wants to in the summertime. But for the last three years, she's taken, it, it ends up being like 35, 40 hours of work to come volunteer at our soccer camp. And she doesn't get paid. I think one time I gave her a $5 Dunkin' Donuts card, right? That's what I'm talking about. What has God given you, and how can God multiply that when you let him use it? All right, Robert, I told him. It was the only picture on your Facebook account, Robert. I think you're on vacation. You look pretty rested, okay? The rest of your body is missing. I don't know. But uh, listen, Robert has this great gift to hear from God to encourage other people. And he comes up and he shares from the microphone regularly during our, our worship sets. And you, you know that, right? You've heard him. You've probably been encouraged by him. Not everybody has that gift, but he could just, he could just phone it in. He could just like not volunteer. When I text him Saturday night at midnight, he could just say no. But he, he cares about people and he has a gift. He can, he can pray and say, God, what would you like to say? And God shares things with him, verses and ideas and thoughts. And he gets up and he speaks them into our lives. Oh my gosh, what happened to this picture? I'm so sorry. I swear that looked fine this morning. This is Mike and Joan Kirchner. Oh man, this is going off the rails really fast here. I love Mike and Joan. All right, so Joan, she has a detailed, organized mind. And she has given me now two incredible ideas for just making like little adjustments to stuff that we do. So, for instance, we make these cards at the beginning of every teaching series, and we lay them on your chairs, and you're supposed to take them and invite people to church, because if we don't invite them, they don't come. There's studies that show that, like, 80% of people would come if you invited them. Did you know that? That's crazy. So she was like, hey, I take these, and I put them all over my office where I work, but they don't have the address on them. So how are they going to know how to get here? Duh. Like, right? Isn't that so smart? She's actually out doing it. She, and she gave me another idea recently. It's just that kind of stuff. I'm trying to make it as broad-based from soccer to hearing God's voice to administrative. I mean, what gifts has God given you? Because you're never going to know how much God's put inside of you. And we could go on and on. I mean, there's, there's ministry teams in this church that need to be started. There's nonprofits that need to be started. 
There are, are holes on our setup teams, on our outreach teams that need to be filled. There's small group leaders sitting in this room who need to get out of their small group and lead their own small group. There are pastors in this room. A pastor is just a person who cares for people. There are people who need to do that because it, as we grow, it's not going to all just be, you know, me and Jonathan. It's got to be a, a multitude of us caring for one another. There's outreach, uh, like geniuses in this room, and you're going to be able to go talk to businesses and get them to donate thousands and thousands of dollars, and you're going to set up these outreaches that we've never even dreamed of. It's sitting in this room, in you. Don't let it sit in the driveway. You'll never know how much God has put in you until you try to give it away. Once you give it away, God's going to give you more. He's going to give you more. He's going to give you more. Let's stand. We're going to do a few things here. Um, when we when we end our teachings, we like to have a response and reflection time because I don't want you to just hear that and run out of here, right? I want you to give you some time to think about it. So um, can that slide go back up just for a second, please? We have a couple things that are going to happen right now. First, we're going to take communion. We do this once a month. And if you're unfamiliar with church, what communion is, um, it's an act that we do. So over there at the tables, there's pieces of bread and there's uh, little uh, cups of juice. And we take that to symbolize what Jesus did for us on the cross, that he died, spilled his blood, broke his body for our sins, and rose from the dead. And so you're all welcome to do that. You just go grab those and sit down and you just think about and remember what God has done for you. It's a powerful, it's a powerful symbol of the work that Jesus did. You can also stay in your chair and you can just take that card and you can just reflect on what has God put inside of you. Maybe even write a few things down. Maybe write a few things down that you've been thinking about doing for way too long. You can just sing. If you want, we're going to sing a final song. Or you can get prayer. We have a couple people over there under those signs that say prayer. If you want prayer because you're sick today and you want prayer for healing, go get prayer. If you want prayer because you're struggling emotionally or relationally or financially, go get prayer. All you have to do is go over there. You don't have to do anything after that. They'll just pray for you. Okay, so let's sing this song together. And you're welcome now. If you want communion, just head over to that way and you can form a line there. It's pretty easy. You know, I'm sure many of us felt like a stirring in our hearts as Christian was, was speaking and preaching like, like man, yeah, I, I, want, I want to use what God's put inside of me. And I feel like there's some of us here that don't even know what God's put inside of us. And, and how do you discover? And, you know, you might feel average or ordinary or whatever. And, you know, I know I struggled with that a lot growing up. And, and, and I would just say that first you ask God, you know, God, what, what did you put inside of me? Then you ask people around you that love you. They see it. They know what's inside of you. They'll say, hey, you're, you're really good at comforting people who are going through a hard time. People come to you telling you their problems. You, you can help people out. Or are you really good at, at taking action and, and, and serving or, or other things? And, and, and I really believe every person has, got, has been given a gift or a talent to use to help others. We're, we're meant to be connected that way. We're meant to be part of a movement which is called the church that's changing the world and not just static and inside and, and, and just holding on like Christian was saying. So God, we, we pray that you would take our gifts and our talents, Lord, and that they could really be used for you and they could be used to help other people. They could be used to, to, uh, to bring transformation into people's lives, to bring a change in this in our communities, God, we we don't want to be people who shrink away from, from stepping out, Lord. Lord, I pray that freely 
we have been given so much from you that we can freely give and we don't have to be perfect as we give we don't have to be flawless we don't have to be amazing but we just have to be available and so God we choose to make ourselves available and help us this week to be available to take little steps of using the things you've given to us to to bless and to help other people so God be with us this week thank you God that you do so much in the other six days of the week besides Sunday Lord and we want to see that Uh, really have an impact this week. So bless every person. Thank you for this day. God, you are awesome, and we are just so thankful to to be part of your story and that you love us, Jesus. So we bless you now. Let's just give him a shout of praise. Let's just give him thank you, God, for all that you've done. So you guys have an awesome week.